0: Welcome to the Millennial Falcon, a pop culture podcast by Three Geeky Millennials. I'm Willby Dobbs, a filmmaker in the D.C. area, and with me are...
1: I am Pai Chen Bui, a USA Today contributor and a pop culture journalist in D.C. And I am Anya Crittenton, an editor and writer for Entertainment Earth News. So this week, we're going to be talking a little bit about um, a new unfortunate trend in superhero movies in Hollywood. Uh, so, Deadpool just came out and made waves at the box office and people are trying to see what kind of lessons they can learn or like how they can you know ride the Deadpool train and the main thing that Hollywood seems to be taking away from it is that more superhero movies should be rated R which seems to be it's not which wasn't like the core of why Deadpool was so popular it was popular because it was I think a superhero movie that was not taking itself so seriously for the first time um, and also, it like, bucked, like conventions. Yeah, like it, it. bucks conventions, which is very in line with the de- c- the character of Deadpool. But because we've been seeing like this sun surge in like the popularity of Deadpool and more gritty stuff with superhero movies, they have started announcing, for example, a Wolverine radar uh, movie. Which I should note,
2: Um, I wrote an article about this. Mm-hmm. Um, and not liking the trend, as I think we're all on the same page about. Um, but there was an interesting article that was written that apparently Wolverine had been being planned as being R-rated before Deadpool. Interesting. And so I don't necessarily know if that's influential of each other.
0: Well, I think it wasn't announced that it would be until, until Deadpool. Until Which makes yeah. it part of this trend, I think. Because if they had announced it, you know, when they initially planned it, then that would be an outlier. But because they're like, oh, suddenly Deadpool made $150 million at the bottom, Box office, they're gonna they're announcing, and now we're gonna have Old Man Logan rated. Yeah, R. So maybe maybe they tossed around an R rated, but
2: they wanted to see how Deadpool did first, and if Deadpool yeah.
1: failed, they would have been like, oh, it's still PG thirteen. Yeah, yeah, they're testing. the So bars. maybe it is influential. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Um, and another very controversial uh, announcement recently was that there would be an R rated cut of Batman v Superman. Um, courtesy of Zack Snyder, our least favorite director <laughs> in the superhero verse. Which and is that is that a Deadpool thing or is that just a Zack Snyder thing?
0: I think <laughs> it's a combo because if he, I mean, it, it, they announced that this week that that would happen,
2: but it feels very. It just feels very. It look feel, at me! I'm Zack Snyder. Oh, I'm oh, so to, and bro it, and.
0: It's totally in the same universe as of 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 something Zack Snyder would do. Mm-hmm. It just happened to really coincide poorly timed, again, with the with the announcement of a rated R Wolverine movie mm-hmm. after this the monumental success of Deadpool at the box office.
2: Yeah, I feel like not necessarily like I mean, Zack Snyder, like, obviously they've shot Batman v Superman, so they've had these R-rated scenes beforehand. I feel mostly it's kind of like a, in announcing stuff, they're riding the wave of Deadpool. Yeah. It's like, ah oh, like, oh, Deadpool did really well, now we're going to announce this because this is obviously what everyone wants, and so they're going to love this announcement. And it's like, mm...
1: That's not what we said at all, exactly. Zack Snyder. Um, so let's talk a little bit about Deadpool. Uh, so Deadpool is the movie of wait about Wade Wilson, a mercenary who undergoes this treatment for a cancer that he s- soon discovers, and he going through the treatment, he um, basically gains immortality. Like he cannot die. Like, he can have limbs and everything cut off. But they'll go back, and um, a lot of uh, this is due to his cancerous cells, which will like um, regenerate really quickly um, because of like the experiment X treatment, the weapons X treatment that that he went through. Um, And it's starring Ryan Reynolds, Marina Baccarin, um, and who directed it again? Tim Miller. Tim Miller directed it. Cj
2: Miller
1: is also yeah. Cj Miller was also acting in it. Um and that dude who was Dario for a season in Game of Thrones. Was that the dude? <laughs> yeah, that was the dude. That was
0: the dude. Yeah. It looks so different with like a buzz cut
1: and not a terrible wig.
0: Yeah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> um so, it's uh Willoughby, what did you think of the movie? Anya has not seen this movie yet, so we're going to not keep spoilers out of our little kind of assessment of Deadpool. I'm a terrible
2: pop culture person, I'm sorry. <laughs>
0: I really loved Deadpool. Um it's it like it hit me in all the right places for comedy. Uh, it is very, like, it's modern comedy where a lot of it is kind of just referencing t- to other things, but there were some also really excellent jokes. Um, there's an entire fight scene where Deadpool tries to fight off Colossus. Uh, it's not really a spoiler, because it's kind of, it's all a joke. The entire fight scene is a joke. It's amazing. Um, and th- just all the De- Deadpool's, like, fourth wall breaking, and, ju- and, like, the way Ryan Reynolds just, like, I mean... You could really, you could say that he's chewing the scenery really well, and like a lot, but, but he makes it work because that's the character. Mm. Um, HD, what did you think?
1: I liked it. Um, I guess I had a not a lukewarm reaction to it, but it, it met my expectations. So I saw, I liked it a lot. I thought that like the humor was really great, but I felt like I expected more rapid fire dialogue or something like that, something a little more than just like punchline wink wink, um, which is what I felt for like a lot of the jokes, but. So I guess like I was expecting more with the comedy and stuff because I felt like Deadpool is a little higher in, in like comedy quality than like a typical Avengers movie or something like that. And there was some stuff, um, and I, it was a little more gratuitous than I expected, but I that was I was fine with that. Um, but I, I liked it overall. Um, I didn't think that I think it was kind of riding the, ray, the wave of the sort of meta commentary, like snarky. Um, superhero films that, like, Guardians of the Galaxy starred, for example, which was a little more tongue-in-cheek as well. So I think, like, I saw a lot of similarities with that, and I thought that that was, like, a good trend that was going on, but obviously not the trend that Hollywood is picking up on. So, so let's talk about that, because mm-hmm. I think we can all agree that Deadpool being
2: R-rated makes sense.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it, I did not it need should It should be
2: rated R, if, that is the Deadpool character.
0: If it was PG-13, a lot of the jokes wouldn't, have, like, they would have had to have different jokes.
2: Yeah. The movie just would have been watered down, probably. Yeah. This would have felt kind of bland, almost. Like,
0: I saw there was a Deadpool wasn't a Spider Man episode of TV, and it was just not, it was not good. weird, because it was like, Deadpool is, this is G.
1: Yeah, and the only thing they could, like, probably point out was, oh, look, we look so similar. Yeah. So I think it's it comes down to a matter of Hollywood needing
2: to use judgment. Like, what movies actually should have an R rating. Because, like, I can understand Wolverine being R. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm not necessarily saying that the movie should be R, mm-hmm. but I can understand it. Right. Now, Batman, Superman, Wonder Woman...
1: They're not. I, I, think, I, and know, I don't know.
0: De, Devin Farachi, uh, pointed had a really funny tweet where it was just saying, fun mm-hmm. fact, Batman and Superman were created for children. Well, it, yeah, I'm like, and, like, that's the thing, it's, and it's... yeah. yeah.
2: You have to be, you have to use your judgment. Like, Watchmen, also directed by Zack Snyder, mm-hmm. definitely should be R. Yeah. The Watchmen are R-rated superheroes. They came out during the 80s trend of making superheroes grittier and more realistic and darker. That was when, like, uh, The Dark Knight Returns came out. And it was also, like, that was, like, the
0: point of Watchmen was, or at least when it was a comic book, was to, like, have, like, a different, like, a dark like, you know, these superheroes are not really, you know, heroes or something like that. Yeah, it was
1: a way of turning the superhero genre on its head. It was kind of like, what would superheroes be like in the real world? They would be, like, psychotic. They would not be stable, that kind of thing. And it wasn't actually meant to be the new interpretation of superheroes. It was supposed to be, like, a subversion of it. Um, And turning, like, this uber-violence onto these these typically, like, candy-colored type of comic book heroes that we had known up until then.
2: Yeah, so it's just, um, you have to figure out what actually deserves an R rating. And that's um, James Gunn, the director of Guardians of the Galaxy, I think we all read this, Mm -hmm. wrote a Facebook post after Deadpool came out about this. He literally said, Hollywood's going to take the wrong lessons away from Deadpool. Mm -hmm. Like, the reason Deadpool's so good is because it feels original, it's committed to the character, And Hollywood instead is going to be like, oh, everything should be meta. Everything should be snarky. Everything should be Mm R-rated. And it's like, no, Deadpool works because it's true to the character. If you want good films, be true to your character. If your character is Superman, don't have an R-rated film. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's not Superman.
1: Yeah, because Superman and Batman were created as children's comics. Like They were made to appeal to children, and they were kind of supposed to be like this Idol for children to aspire to. They're
0: supposed to be. They're supposed to be. Yeah, they're supposed to be role models.
1: Yeah, exactly. But
2: us be real. The best Superman film is still Richard Donner Superman. Oh, definitely. Christopher like, Reeve is still the best Superman,
1: and I believe that film was rated PG, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And like, and Superman there was no PG
0: thirteen nope. at the time.
1: Okay, um, yeah, yeah. And like, Superman does do some dire stuff in there. I think he does actually kill someone, like in the second. Movie. Does he do
0: that as as bad Superman or just regular Superman? Because um, I know there's a point where his personality switches.
1: I can't remember, honestly, but... I need to rewatch it. It feels... It doesn't feel like it completely, like, focuses too much on that. It still keeps on the tone of, like, this sort of more lighthearted, optimistic film. And it doesn't, like, make it completely about... Which is also kind of... I haven't... Uh, I don't remember much about this... Enough about this movie to actually talk about it completely, but... I think it's the tone of the of the movie and like the the way that they present Superman is what is important.
0: And it that's very important when it comes to these new movies mm-hmm. now that they're starting a a you know a DC cinematic universe that Marvel has already, you know, been years ahead but that's just because of how the scheduling works. Mm-hmm. You know, they've decided that their first movie that they're going to do in this is Man of Steel which Incidentally, it looks more like a Dark Knight movie than a Superman movie. Yeah,
1: it was a Superman movie trying to fit into the mold of Batman. Um, Nolan's Batman, Nolan's yeah. Batman, which, which is not even part of this universe. No,
0: yeah. but and it was written by the same guy, um, David oh, uh, David Boyer. S. Boyer. Yeah. Um, and I I like the Nolan films except Dark Knight Rises is my least favorite. Like I really, really still like the Dark Knight as a movie, mm-hmm. and Batman Begins I think did a really and did a really great job of making like, a Batman movie. Like, yeah. a Batman movie.
1: Yeah, Batman Begins is, like, one of my favorite movies. Um, but it's not Superman. No.
0: It's he's defi- he's he's it's he's not French Superman. That's the genius. thing, is that...
1: <laughs> like that.
0: They go into Man of Steel with Pa Kent saying, you should let me die rather than ha- than save me it's in a tornado.
2: sacrifice ever. I know everyone always talks about the Zod scene, which I also don't like, but I feel like even more than that, the scene that really ruined it for me was Superman letting Pa Kent die. Yeah. Like... Not only would he never do that, because, like, why would you let someone die that you can save? But also, the whole point of Pot Kent dying of a heart attack is to show that Superman can't save everyone. There are going to be some circumstances that he just can't
0: help. Yeah. And he could totally help a tornado.
2: He could have totally saved him. <laughs> so it's, I just, yeah,
1: I mean, I think we,
0: no one
2: likes Man of Steel. Yeah. yeah.
0: We don't.
1: I, um. There are
2: who
0: like it, but... <laughs> I think no. there are parts of Minus Deal that I like. I, I like hit, uh, when he's actually Clark Kent, mm-hmm. uh, even though that's like two percent of the movie. But well, so like, Cavill, great. Oh yeah, yeah. Henry Cavill Henry. as Superman. I think like at least his Clark Kent is really good.
1: Did you Did you guys watch him recently in that um, Omaze video where he was asking kids like who was better, Batman yes. or Superman? I saw and he was so charming and sweet. And I was like, why have I not seen any of this guy on screen? In
0: Men of did Uncle, you, he's also charming and sweet. Yeah, and he should have done that. I, I hopefully in. Batman versus Superman. We see more of Clark Kent because I mean, it looks like he's at the Daily Planet Clark, a lot of
1: Yeah, time. So yeah but just I just haven't just really blurry. seen
2: much of anything that shows me that it's going to be like Superman we know and love. Yeah, yeah.
0: yeah. The Batman a, might be great.
1: Actually, I'm, I'm kind of excited for Ben Affleck's I, Batman. I'm excited
0: for Ben Affleck's Batman, but that's I'm just because ben for Affleck's the
1: possibility of Jason Todd. I'm <laughs> <laughs> okay. I'm biased. I'm actually really worried about Jason Todd though, because considering oh. Snyder, I feel like he might have some love. And, I'm worried and excited. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Like,
2: I'm terrified, but I'm also... I can't help the excitement in that one of my favorite Bat-Kids mm-hmm. might be in the universe, and like, yeah. we might get to see Jason Todd. Um, did you guys see the Zack Snyder comment about everyone who's saying that, like, his Man of Steel isn't Superman, like, aren't real Superman fans? He was like, the real comic fans know that I didn't mess up Superman.
1: And I was like, get out of here with your pretentious bullshit. Like, mm-hmm. how...
0: That doesn't make sense.
1: Well, okay, another thing that other than the Nolan trilogy that Snyder is basing his movies on, he's also basing a lot of his movie like from what we've seen of, ba- of Batman v. Superman on um Dark Knight Returns and Alan Moore's work, which which as we said came out in the 80s when yeah. superheroes were getting dark. And as and we came out as a sub- supposed subversion of the superhero genre and they weren't meant to be an actual canonical like view of what spirit was were supposed to be. Um and then basing an entire superhero universe, like cinematic superhero universe on that is interesting. Problem- <laughs> Problematic to
2: say the least. Yeah. Not everyone fits into the same box. Now I'm very worried about what they're gonna do with Barry Allen, who's mm-hmm. one of the funniest and most fun superheroes out there. Yeah. And I don't wanna see them go gritty with Flash. Yeah.
0: Right. there already i mean it makes sense to take Aquaman a character who has been ridiculed for the past fifty years mm-hmm. and make him gritty and make him realistic and make him like work
1: that's the one thing I like about that actually they they cast the polynesian actor for Aquaman I, yeah mm-hmm.
0: and like having a white guy in like an orange spandex suit would just mm-hmm. be out of out of totally it wouldn't make sense even in the modern superhero movies like even if you had a guy in like a marvel who looked like that it wouldn't make it would be weird so it makes total sense to have a like, a gritty reboot, quote-unquote, of Aquaman. Um, but then there's yeah. other characters that don't need, that That shouldn't be remade into this Snyder, like, god-complex superhero. Um, exactly. that, I mean, I don't, we haven't, we've barely seen bits of, uh, like, what Wonder Woman, uh, can do in Superman versus, Batman versus Superman. The parts that we have seen, she looks great. Like Like, she, the, the She looks. She looks like she can kick ass, Mm -hmm. and we've seen bits of the Wonder Woman movie, where she looks like she's like a a real character, a real person.
2: That being said, I really those clips of the Wonder Woman film. I just want to be like DC. You do know that you can use other colors than gray and black, right? Yeah, that's the
0: other thing is that there's no. I'm excited
2: for the Wonder Woman film more than anything else, and Patty Jenkins, the director, uh, she gave this quote during when they first showed those clips that made me very hopeful for the film. She mm-hmm. said that, like, yes, Superman, uh, Wonder Woman is very strong and powerful, but, like, her true strength, that doesn't take away from the fact that she is a kind person mm-hmm. and, like, her femininity and, like, that gives me hope because, like,
1: feminine qualities shouldn't, shouldn't be seen as weak. as weak. Hmm? Feminine qualities shouldn't be seen as weak.
2: Exactly. So it's like, that Superman and Wonder Woman, part of their strength is their hope and their compassion and I'm excited that we could see that.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, I think we should we should talk more about Superman and how... Not Superman. uh the, This rated R version of Superman Batman versus Superman and how that could affect the rest of the DC universe. Like, do you think we'll see a rated R Suicide Squad movie? Because I feel like that movie, if that, anything... I wouldn't be surprised. If,
2: they've already, if, well, they've already said that uh, Suicide Squad is PG-13. Okay. Well, I mean, they
0: could still do the thing where they release a rated R cut. That, mm-hmm. Because I yeah. feel like that's... that If anything, that movie... Is a movie that would be R rated before a Superman Batman movie. Yeah.
2: Yeah. That actually makes so sense. Sense. The producer said that all the DC films, they're planning to stick to a PG 13 rating for all of them. Okay. But yeah, we could see cuts. And this goes into the whole trend of, I think the rated R movies and like the grittiness kind of go hand in hand. Mm-hmm. And this is what Hollywood thinks we want. Mm-hmm.
0: Right. And I feel like we should, we should. How do we feel about that? We don't want that. We should now. get into that because Hollywood takes the wrong lessons. From success, mm-hmm. and we've seen that time and that time again. And I think gritty, gritty movies are a a symptom of that. So, what do, what do you guys think of gritty movies?
1: I'm not a fan, no. honestly. You know, I was I like them in like Dark Knight and Batman Begins because it really fit that character, and it told a good story outside of being just gritty. Um, and having just like the whole draw of a movie being like, oh, it's gritty, it's real, isn't? isn't good. It's not, it doesn't, it doesn't have any like depth to it.
2: I think we should say that like not, we're not against gritty movies
1: mm-hmm.
2: at period. Yeah. Like we're against movies that don't need to be gritty being
0: You're, made gritty. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like movies that are gritty for the sake of being gritty are not yeah. good. Mm-hmm. Like there because
2: are, Hollywood thinks it's cool and it'll make
0: money and it's what the audience wants. Mm-hmm. And some of the audience might want that. But not not most of the audience, I think, because I feel like, you know, they do te- focus point focus tests to see like what people want, mm-hmm. and maybe the minority of people who go to see these movies, are into the you know the grittiness the you know the, basically the the shallow, um, on the surface gritty movies Bodies. that that any, that like basically like a general audience would want to see. But I feel like these movies that are coming out that are gritty are for are more. Like they should be more than just being gritty, mm-hmm. if if they need to be. Like, well, I
2: think we've seen with Marvel that
0: you don't need to be gritty to be successful. Yeah, mm-hmm. like Iron Iron Man movies were never gritty. The, mm-hmm. I mean,
1: I, I, I wonder if DC is doing like this whole one eighty with um with their tone, like the, the opposite of Marvel's, just to like differentiate themselves. So they're, like, they, so they see that Marvel's lighthearted, it's funny, it's snarky, so we should do the exact opposite, which I guess is fine if they want to differentiate themselves, but not just do it for the sake of being different.
2: I I think it comes down to, you need to be true to your characters. Exactly. You know, it's, like we said, we're fine with Batman being gritty. Mm -hmm. You know, Gotham's a gritty place. But, I mean, let's look at the success of The Flash, the TV show on the CW. Yes, exactly. Which is not gritty at all, and people like it way more than Arrow at this point. Yeah. And I don't even watch Super campy. I watch Arrow. I like it.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: And the Flash is wonderful. It's so and good people idea. like how campy it is. That's yeah. part of the charm.
0: And the thing about the Flash is that even though, even though it's much more lighthearted than Arrow, it still has the same emotional weight that a, a character has, like like that Arrow has in, yeah. in their seasons. Like Barry Allen still deals with a lot of shit in his life. Yeah,
1: they they don't like go away from like the emotional depth that the character goes through like Like, the things that he struggles with Um, they just do, they also like balance it with a light hearted tone
0: and just recently they had this whole entire like adventure uh, in Earth 2 and then had an episode dealing with the consequences of that Mm -hmm. and they did a really great job of having these characters still stay the same characters we know and love but they're dealing, but they deal with this drama and this um, these emotional uh, storylines with the same uniqueness that they all bring to the table when they are uh, in in any other world, they'd all be comic relief characters. Mm-hmm. But because they are all they're all they're all basically except for Barry Allen, they're all his supporting team. But they all have an emotional resonance, and like and like no one person is like an, a, an outlier character that shouldn't be in the show.
1: Mm-hmm. I also want to point out how ironic it is that Marvel, as a comic book um, company, like their series were like started out as being more realistic and more gritty, and now like their movies are completely completely seen as like the light hearted ones. And DC was the one that started off as kids comics for kids, and now their movies are completely opposite. Mm-hmm. So. Well, it's
2: interesting. I was having a conversation about this with someone about like the big differences between DC and Marvel. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I think it's totally cool to like both. Like, I know it sometimes seems that we harsh on DC a lot, but we should mm-hmm. probably say that we are DC fans. I'm actually more of a
1: DC fan than a Marvel fan, honestly. See, I'm
2: I'm a bigger Marvel fan, mm-hmm. um, in terms of the whole universe. But there are some DC characters that I love, Jason Todd, yeah, um, <laughs> that I just adore. But it's interesting. DC to me has always felt more. Kind of mythological and godlike; like their characters always seem a bit larger than life. Whereas mm-hmm. Marvel has always felt a bit more grounded, oh, definitely. and their characters just felt a little bit more human to me. And I'm not saying that's better; I'm just saying that's different.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: And you know, especially I think with characters like Tony Stark, and you have Steve Rogers, who might be a super soldier, but he's very human. And you have like the X-Men, who represent basically all sorts of civil rights, and. And DC's always felt kind of larger than life to me, which is interesting to me because Marvel Cinematic Universe feels like the more out-there sort of universe.
0: Yeah, which is funny because it didn't start out that way with Iron Man. Iron Man, to me, when the first Iron Man came out, I was like, oh, this is really neat because it's like Tony Stark is a regular guy. Granted, he has an amazing intellect and a lot of money, and he he built his own super suit, but the characterization of him... See, and the improv style dialogue that was in that movie felt really real to me. And mm-hmm. it, Iron Man is still one of my favorite movies of all time. Mm-hmm. Um, and I can tell, like, by the time we get to Avengers: Age of Ultron, like, the the universe is much more
1: cosmic, cosmic,
0: mm-hmm. literally, like, with Guardians of the Galaxy mm-hmm. and Thor and like all that. Like, there's it's so much more larger than life. But then you also have the characters who you've seen, like, with Captain America. And Iron Man and like the and Ant Man like they're these regular guys living in this super world, mm-hmm. and then in DC, what we're seeing with these movies is that we we start off with the God mm-hmm. being the main character, and you go and then you you start off, and then you do different movies with other Justice League characters. Mm-hmm. So it's interesting Marvel and DC's approach, like first approach to both universes, where Iron Man takes. Iron Man is like... He wasn't an A-list superhero no. when the movie came out. And now he is. And you take an A... And, and they built a universe around that. And now they're trying to build... And now DC is trying to build a much more grittier universe based off of Superman. Which... That sentence right there is a is a, uh, a paradox. Like, Superman is not supposed to be gritty. He's Mm-mm. supposed to be...
1: He's a beacon of hope. He's a
0: beacon of hope. And that's not... Prettiness. And mm. so this whole, we're going to make everything super serious and super gladiator match, day versus night. I, get, I hate everything that's being set Like, how they're marketing this movie is is, is also complacent in, in our thoughts and feelings about this movie.
1: Yeah, it's the marketing is a hot mess, is all we can say. It
0: is. <laughs> yeah. It is
2: a hot mess. So... I think that we think uh, Hollywood's taking away wrong lessons from grittiness, from being Mm R-rated. They're seeing that something is making money and that's all they're seeing. Mm -hmm. And so they're like, we have to mimic this pretty much rather than doing what James Gunn said and being like, no, you need to be original and commit to an idea Mm -hmm. and be true to characters. And so Hollywood is giving us not
1: what we want. The opposite of what we want. Um, yeah, I, I don't know why, but I feel like the problem is that Hollywood is run by executives who don't even watch these movies. They just look up the numbers yeah. and that kind of stuff. Probably. Uh huh. Um, Hollywood's a money city, Like Yeah, it's a business town. Yeah, but it's it's a, it's weird because I feel like if you're going to be an executive in Hollywood, you have to have some sort of love for film, and I wonder how that like disconnect happens where they like start off loving film or something, or maybe like they go into business because they want to be in movies but then like they don't even watch them anymore so
0: it's really yeah. funny that um speaking of lessons that hollywood takes from successful movies after the success of reservoir dogs and Pulp Fiction, a lot of movies a lot of studios and movie makers were like let's let's do that but not as good mm. so there were a lot of gangster movies and like
1: really bad gangster really movies.
0: really bad snarky gangster movies that came up in the wake of quentin tarantino's yeah no rise.
2: like tarantino
0: sorry no one can be like Tarantino, no one, and that's the thing is, there are certain people in certain movies that are so standalone, so unique that Hollywood tries to, like, capture that lightning in another bottle, mm-hmm. and it just turns into it just turns into nothing. It's it's absolutely like really funny how bad Hollywood could take lessons. Mm-hmm. And I think we could also see that with Oscars so white, mm-hmm. how there was such a fervor against the fact that there were no. African American, no people of color nominees last year, and yet the same exact thing happened again. Same
1: thing happened. Even though
0: there were clearly movies that should have been nominated mm-hmm. that have people of color in here, it or, yeah. or, or or who made it, like Creed should have been in uh, a lot more categories. Oh, uh,
1: Creed should have gotten Best Picture nominated. Straight out of
0: Compton. Like, we, We've talked about we talked about Oscars so wait in a couple episodes ago, mm-hmm. but it, I feel like we're recording this today of the Oscars, mm-hmm. and I feel like this is something that is very much on our minds. Yeah. with the wrong lessons that Hollywood is taking.
1: Agreed. Um, another lesson that I just thought of um, that they kind of took the wrong one from uh, is the lack of uh, female superhero movies, and we saw that in the Sony email leak that um, basically they didn't see any uh, stock in female-led superhero films because of, like, the failure of Elektra or the failure of Catwoman. And they thought, seeing, like, those box office bombs, they're like, oh, that must mean that women don't do well at And, at yeah, you see, piece. like, The Hunger
2: Games. Mm-hmm. You see Lucy, which wasn't great, but mm-hmm. made good money. And you see all these films that are led by females, and they do well.
1: Yes, and that's why we haven't had a female-led superhero movie in years, and we were only just getting our first one, Wonder Woman, in 2017, I think. Mm-hmm. And yeah, then, and we're not getting our first one from Marvel to, like, 2018.
0: Yeah. And with these, with this recent string of superhero, movie, superhero TV shows, mm-hmm. we're just now getting a Supergirl show.
1: Yeah, exactly. So, and obviously Hollywood didn't look at the fact that Elektra and Catwoman were terrible movies, not just because, like, they were led by women. But again, money. Like, mm-hmm. they don't... They don't which don't need
2: look at quality.
0: Because mm-hmm. Electro was also a spinoff of a terrible Daredevil movie, which yeah. is just hilarious to yeah. think about how they thought that movie could do spinoffs.
1: Yeah. It's really bad. I, I would, like that. Mid like 2000s it when I first were saw. weird, guys. Mid the 2000s, they were trying to feel out like the <laughs> superhero <laughs> genre, so we got a lot of uh, stinkers, essentially.
2: Mm-hmm. So, speaking of money and lessons and stuff, you know, another one that we've seen cropping up a lot recently is reboots and sequels, especially. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Um, especially, like, nostalgic reboots. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm not going to sit here and say that not all of them are good. Mad mm-hmm. Max, obviously, is amazing. Yes. So some of them turn out quality films. But mm-hmm. there is this trend, and I'm not necessarily sure it's always
1: a good trend. Yeah, like, um, Fuller House just came out this week, and oh, okay. it has got it just got dragged by critics. It looks terrible. Yes. I have no plans to see so it. Can I tell
0: you? I watched the. I tried to watch the first episode of Fuller House. <laughs> they start out with like very some I've watched a lot of Full House in my time, so I know how this show, show starts out. They Start out <laughs> with the original um, opening credits, uh-huh. which, looking back, are just the cheesiest bullshit. That's really um, and then they 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 have the same. Exa- they remade the the set, and it, the, the the this is how far I got. They got into introducing each of the original main characters, and. Each one of them was followed by a applause laugh track. Oh my
1: god! And
0: every single joke was a laugh track. And this is this is Netflix. This is Netflix. Mm-hmm. They are doing a a traditional three camera sitcom with a laugh track, and it looks. So the AV Club had a, when they when they reviewed it that their headline was Fuller House looks like a porn parody of Full House without the porn. Oh my and god! And I can tell you that is what they're going for with this. It looks, it looks like. You know when, when like Scrubs, uh, or like whenever like a modern sitcom, like a character gets hit on the head and suddenly they're Everything's dreaming. Everything's really shiny. Everything looks like um, a three camera sitcom. Yeah. Because so like Scrubs did an episode where it was like JD gets hit in the head and suddenly he's living in like a in like a cheesy three camera sitcom with mm-hmm. a lap track. And this is this looks like a bad dream for a, a, a main character in another. In like a regular, in like a modern day sitcom, oh my God. it's so bad. It looks so bad. Ugh. And I, I, had to stop it after the worst thing I've ever seen. So <laughs> oh dear. every single character is lined up in a row in in the kitchen, like in, like you guys have seen Full House, right? Mm-hmm. Like you know where how that. Yeah, it's yeah. like a traditional set, and they're all lined up, and you've got, and they're talking about, oh, uh, you know, like what these these people have been up to recently, and I think, now you're an I, think no. I know you're gonna I think I know you're gonna say. They mention Michelle Tanner, yep. played by the Olsen twins, uh. in, their, in their youth. And Danny Tanner goes, oh, Michelle's too busy living in New York, running her fashion empire. And literally all six characters turn to the camera. They break the fourth wall, like Deadpool does. Oh my God. They break the fourth wall, and they just stare into the camera. Yeah. They stare into your soul oh for God. 30 seconds. 30 seconds? <laughs> as Excuse- there's a cheesy like, overabundant laughter, applause laugh track that just goes on and on and on. I thought I was watching one of those, like, YouTube poop videos where, like, like, things just go on and on and on and edited badly, and it's just a single shot, it's a wide shot of these six characters just staring into your soul as they, as they basically just take down the Ulsa twins trying to do, trying to live.
1: Who obviously, like, did a good Made a good decision of not returning to the show. Yeah, also, like, like if they don't want to act anymore, like, let them be. Yeah, Yeah.
0: like, their joke was that, oh, they're too busy running their fashion empire. You know, she's too busy running their fashion empire. And it's just so awkward because they all, every single character looks dead on into the the camera. And it looks like they're waiting for the laughter to die down. Like, it's that classic Mm sitcom, wait for the laughter to die down so they can resume speaking. like, if you've ever seen, like, Big Bang Theory with the laugh track, it's so awkward. Yeah. Uh,
2: you've mentioned the, the, the unmentionable show. Oh, yeah. That, is- <laughs> that show is 200 episodes. That's yeah. honestly what we should be... Wrong lessons learned from
0: Hollywood. Big Bang Theory. Just seeing
2: the Big Bang Theory on TV.
0: <laughs> yeah. That's <sighs> how that show has, like, 10 epi- 200 episodes and, like... Oh, gosh. the Honestly, word
1: b- I feel like it's just people leaving their TV on.
0: The, the fact that the word bazinga... Is a real word in our cultural <laughs> lexicon now. It's just,
1: yeah. So, so what right, I'm saying continue. is Full, Fuller
0: House. Is, so we've seen reboots. We've seen Netflix pick up shows mm-hmm. and do like revivals, like they did with Arrested Development. Like we, we talked about this also.
1: last And they're
0: doing this with Fuller House, where it's like a it's like a legacy revival along the lines of like X Files.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, and it's just so bad because. They're trying to, they're literally copying the same exact formula of Full House. And it's, t- and like in modern eyes, it's terrible. Like if you ever go back and watch older episodes of Full House on like ABC Family when they do like 6 a.m., you know, they're, you, you, they're made, they were made at a certain time when that was like a, like a modern, that was like, not a modern, that was like, a, that was how you did a sitcom, was mm-hmm. three camera setup. Boy Meets World is the same way. And you get the in Girl Meets World. I've seen, I saw most of the first season. I really like what they were doing.
1: Yeah. Nothing against three ca- three camera sitcoms; like it's, they still do well. Like they have their tried and true formula for a reason. Yeah. Also, Girl Meets World is an example of, and it's not even it's a sequel of like a sequel done
2: well. I feel like it kind of got off to some shaky footing, but like some of the lessons and episodes that Girl Meets World has done have been amazing. Yeah, they
1: don't hammer in the nostalgia too much.
2: Yeah, and they also know how to do I think, like, throwbacks and, like, things for the original fans. Like, Mm -hmm. there was that episode I don't know if you guys saw it, but Eric was on and he was, like, running for an office position of some sort and Tommy, the little boy that he was sort of, like, a father figure for, showed up in a really well done way. Like, it was written... Naturally, and it was so well done, and like I cried mm-hmm. because, of course, yeah. And like, um, and like that show gets it right in how to do throwbacks, but how to create an original story still and new characters and like keep the story going forward instead of just staying in the past,
0: yeah. And Fuller House looks like it's staying in the past with like a 2016 camera lens, mm-hmm. it's really weird.
2: And yeah. so, that's I think uns-set. that's the thing. yeah, with reboots and sequels in general, um, movies as well, like. I feel like you have to do something new. You have to progress the story. Um, It's like Mad Max, obviously incredible, did something totally new, Mm -hmm. um, blew us away. I'm really looking forward to the new Ghostbusters film, because I think there's merit in female Ghostbusters. Yeah. It's going to be really important. They're going to do something new. Paul Feig is... It's definitely something new. Yeah. But then you have the ones that don't do anything new, and they're just like a retread, and this is what I mean about Hollywood being a business city. I see people all the time complain about reboots and sequels. Mm-hmm. And then they make hundreds of millions of dollars. And so all Hollywood sees is, wow, a lot of people want to go see this movie. They must really like it. Mm-hmm. And then you have original films that come out and no one goes to see them and they make no money. So when exactly. people complain about this, I mm-hmm. want to ask them. What You're the part li- of the problem. Exactly. Yeah. You want original films, go see them in theaters. Mm-hmm. That's how this works. Like, this is why I'm still kind of upset that Crimson Peak didn't make more. I really love, yeah, I really like or Rim, great. So That Or Pacific Rim. And I feel like Crimson Peak not making a lot of money has been part of the problem with Pacific Rim 2, which, thank goodness finally has a director. I'm, like, sad it's not Del Toro, but uh, at least it's happening and he'll still be producing. But, like, people don't go see the original films and then we're we don't get original content yeah. exactly.
0: Like I'm, I'm proud of Christopher Nolan for trying to like, like now that he's done with like doing about the Batman trilogy, like he's he's focusing on doing original films like with Inception and Interstellar. Um, he he also did a remake of Insomnia, I
1: think. Yeah, that was pretty good. That was like his yeah. old. That was back when he was still like an upcoming director. Though. Yeah,
0: like he. So he, he did.
1: Batman felt original. Yeah, yeah,
0: and he did Memento, uh, which is now being. Remade, which is just like it's that's that's a wrong lesson yeah. from Hollywood. Memento
1: is one of my favorite films, and because it's original and it's so just fascinating to watch. And then like me remaking that, just yeah. Just so sad. And then
0: the Prestige, I really like. That's my favorite um, Nolan film, actually. The Prestige. Yeah, Memento's my favorite Nolan. Um, and then Inception for what it's worth. Like uh, that was in the midst of him doing Batman movies, yeah. and I really, I mean, I liked it. I, I could see how people didn't like I it. I still
2: love Inception. I don't I care. Like I, still, I like I it.
0: it. I don't
1: like Whatever. People who, are like, don't like it are just, like, yeah. no fun. And then...
0: <laughs> They're party poopers. I, I liked Interstellar a lot. Mm-hmm. I, I would it okay. I wouldn't see it, a, like, a thousand times like I would, like, any of his other movies. Um... Like I that,
2: think the better rescuing Matt Damon from space movie
0: is The Martian. Oh, totally. I think
1: Interstellar was a little bit emotionally manipulative. Yeah, so.
0: and the and and had the way speech about love was a little bit too much.
1: I mean, it was him. Like it was Nolan reacting to people saying like, "Oh, your your movies are emotionless." So then he was just like, "Here's all this emotion," which is really but funny it's his version of emotion.
0: I, I think his movies are always full of emotion. Like mm-hmm. I don't I, I don't know. Um, yeah, but like yeah, but, but but you could talk like let me, I think Christopher Nolan is a prime example of how to do good Hollywood and then take, like, we, we've talked about him twice now about doing original movies or a good superhero movie and then Hollywood taking the wrong lessons from that Yeah, of doing a, a Memento remake so or taking a, a Superman and making a Batman movie. So
1: it's not his fault. It's not like the, the success of, like, the original film's fault or, like, the director's fault that Hollywood will take this trend and, like, run with it. It's just, like, the business city, yeah, yeah, like you said. Yeah, and I
2: don't think the other thing is that, like, um, we say original content. Mm-hmm. Very few things these days are actually original. Yeah, a like, lot of things peak draw, is super derivative. Right, a lot of things draw inspiration from genres or Shakespeare or certain tropes. Mm-hmm. And that's fine. Like, there's nothing wrong with being inspired, but it's a matter of you doing something original with that inspiration. Yeah. So, or like, terms like, peak, like you said, is very derivative of... Certain like horror and gothic genres, mm-hmm. and yet Guillermo del Toro like he put his stamp on it it's a visually striking film, mm-hmm. and that's what we mean by original film We don't mean like you know you can't Something drop nice ever
0: anything
1: done yeah like, like no, I mean.
0: and like uh like a movie like ex machina I mean that's yes. that has a lot of original content to it um and also like inspired by
1: the like, AI like
0: modern ai uh conversations that are being had and mm-hmm. like the ai genre um and that didn't do super well at the box office i don't think i no. think it did okay
1: i really loved yeah, i really be, loved it yeah. too
0: um you know i thought that the movie i mean that was one of the original movies of 2015 mm-hmm. that was actually really excellent mm-hmm. um but i don't think we're going to see if we are going to see more original ai movies they might be too derivative of that in a bad way yeah um
1: so, um, sorry. Continue. Yeah. No.
0: I. I. I mean. I'm just. I think we're. We're firm in our belief of that. That Hollywood is a business town that looks at original and critical success and financial success over anything else, mm-hmm. and says we should take what people think they. What Hollywood thinks that people love certain parts of financial successes, and then takes those wrong parts and do does the worst with it. Like, we're getting three, four more Transformers movies until 2020.
1: Ugh, yeah, don't even talk to me about that. Because the
0: movie makes a gajillion dollars all over the world.
1: Yeah, and it's not just Hollywood's fault. It's like, it's the audience and Hollywood. Like, We are part of the problem.
0: And, yeah. And the thing is, like, if a movie gets critical, if if a movie gets financial success overseas, Mm -hmm. if it's not a great movie, they're going to keep making sequels and movies like that with, the Transformers movies, like they, that's there's a reason they always like do like one scene in China because then they can mo- release the movie in China and they can get a bajillion dollars Ugh, and make more movies. Like that's that's a that's actually like uh like if you could look, look at that with movies that do that, mm-hmm. it's a thing that happens.
1: So, do you guys think that there is a difference between like wrong lessons that Hollywood has taken and then trends in a certain way of that a film is shot? Like for example, like the found footage. Um, film trend that happened after paranormal activity and stuff like that we so got like field. lots of we got lots of stinkers but we also got like some pretty good movies chronicle out of it yeah so do you think that it's inevitable that a wrong lesson will be made for a while will be taken for a while but then like people will actually start to like i don't know take advantage of the popularity of that trend or like actually start to make some good original content out of it I don't think there's anything
2: wrong with writing waves or writing trends. Mm -hmm. I mean, like, you want to be successful. And, you know, like, we say that Hollywood's a business city in a bad way. But also, you know, like, part of business is taking advantage of what people are into these days. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I think, I said this before a lot in this podcast, I think it's, again, original spin, like, committing to your idea, you know, uh, using your judgment, like use your best judgment. Does your film need found footage just because everyone loves it, mm-hmm. or will your film be fine without it? Yeah. You know, it's one of those things where I think I have no problem with people writing trends because you want to be successful, and if you take a certain trend and put your own spin on it and make it awesome, it's gonna seem new. It's not gonna seem like oh, you're just doing what they did. It's. Going to have kind of this wow factor to
1: it. I completely agree, and I think that's a good way to end our discussion on the um, wrong lessons of Hollywood and trends, but also ways that they can improve on it. There's hope. Yeah, there's hope. Commit Hollywood. We should all. Yeah, commit. Yes. All right. So let's move on to the last segment of our episode. Anya, would you like to introduce it? Yes.
2: It is our really, really, really. Really like you segment. So, what are we liking this week? Willby,
1: would you like to start?
0: Yes, I'll go first. Uh, so, guys, Pokemon is 20 years old. <laughs> <It> Pokemon! <is. laughs> and yesterday, uh, on the 27th, was the 20th anniversary of Pokemon's release in Japan, uh, not yet in America. Um, and I love Pokemon. I mean, I like. R- from the very beginning when I got uh, I think I had red first No, I think I skipped... I had yellow. I got yellow for, like, a birthday. Mm -hmm. And I remember it being that no one else had yellow. Everyone else had blue or red. And I remember having Pikachu. And, like, Pikachu just following you around. And I'm like, you've never gotten your your Pokeball. What's the deal? (laughs) And I watched the TV show all the time. Like, it would come on at, like, 4 o'clock. I would come home, and it would be on, like, Cartoon Network or Kids WB. Like, something would be playing.
1: It was Kids WB because I I watched it at that time every day, too. Yeah. Uh, And I didn't have cable.
0: So... (laughs) (laughs) So, Pokemon has always been, like, in my life, like, either in the background. Like, whenever a new Pokemon game came out, I always bought the one version of it. Like, I never bought both, like, Ruby or Sapphire. I had Ruby, and then I had uh, Diamond, and then I had Pokemon Black. And I haven't gotten X or Y. That's the only one I I didn't get, but that was because I was in the midst of college, and I didn't have time to actually play Pokemon, but the great thing about the game, the video game itself, I never played the card game. I think I had the cards. I just, I never knew how to play it. I think my friends and I just did our own version of Yu-Gi-Oh, but with Pokemon cards. It didn't make sense.
1: <laughs> and I think some people just collected them. Yeah. I, have ha- them. I still have my collection of Pokemon cards. Wow. I have an album nice. that's, like, specially made to be a collect a Pokemon card, like, album. Mm-hmm. And it's filled to the brim. And nice. I had that's to, like, awesome. double stack some of them, too.
0: Yeah. So, and, like, the Pokemon games were such a great time killer. Like I would always play them on my Game Boy Advance or the uh, Game Boy Advance SP or the Nintendo DS. Like one of the which, whichever system they were on, I would always like. Uh, I'd always you know, I always loved the resetting a game and like starting over fresh and like choosing a new Pokemon, like a different type, like either if you go with fire, oh I'm gonna go with water this time, or like choosing your. I I love choosing the names of of your Pokemon. Like, mm-hmm. did you guys played the games right? I didn't play. The you games. didn't play the games. I did. Did you play the games? I did. Okay, so like, did you ever name your Pokemon like, like either like inside jokes to yourself or like 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 famous characters like like yeah you, oh yeah yeah so like I always had like you know uh, I never had like
2: did you have an Obi Wan Pokemon?
0: Yeah, <laughs> uh-huh. I had a couple of them. I had a couple of, course. of them. Of course, uh, I think it was a Squirtle. I think I had a Squirtle as a po- as Obi Wan, which I don't know why. Uh, either way, it's so, like I would always like. Play the games, or I'd watch the TV shows. I saw the Mewtwo movie. Oh, that was so good uh, when that came out in theaters. Like that was excellent. Did you
1: cry in yeah. theaters? Of course. I had
0: the I had the soundtrack to that movie when they played, which had the song that played when Ash was uh, spoiler alert frozen in stone after uh, after a big battle, and when the clones of the Pokemon were fighting each other, which is just so heartbreaking, guys. Twenty years later, and it's still. Oh. oh, man, okay. I'm
1: going to cry. <laughs> it's just
0: so, it's so, like, you know, Pokemon is, I think, is a, uh, a standout millennial. Uh, like, we talked last week about Harry Potter. I think Pokemon is, like, the video game version of that.
1: See, I never played the video games, but I watched the movies, mm-hmm. like, movies and the show religiously. So, yeah. like, I remember after, after school every day, I would go home, take a nap, and watch Pokemon at 4 p.m., one time, I um, overslept during my nap, and I missed Pokemon, and I started crying. Oh, no. <laughs> I was, like, so upset my mom it didn't wake so up. so dramatic. Up. And, just...
0: like, and I don't know about you guys, but in high school, years after playing Pokemon as a kid, it was suddenly cool to, like, bring in your Game Boy and play Pokemon in, in high school, like, senior year. Yeah.
1: In my stat class in high school, everyone was playing the Pokemon. Like, like ar- and the and original theme. versions, no, right? No, it was the black and white. that oh, okay. one that came out. And everyone was playing it under their desk. But, yeah. like, it was ridiculous. I was like, "There's literally half a class here just playing Pokemon." Yeah, so like, you're not that subtle, guys. <laughs> like the it teachers now. Yeah.
0: And my freshman year of college, we play. Uh, I wrote a sketch for uh, the college television station that I worked at, and HT did too. Um, we we did our own version of our like we had a show with character like a sitcom, and each episode we began with a uh, a dream sequence where we could do anything. We mostly did parodies of of genres. Um, and this, and I decided to, to do like a Pokemon match where you divide the, our, our cast of characters into two teams and you, each of our characters had like a defining trait or feature like each Pokemon does. Um, and it was really great, to, like, cause I tried to make it as like in character, like how characters would react, but if they were Pokemon. Um, and we actually had, uh, the mate, the star of the show at the time dress up like Ash. We found a Pokemon hat. Uh, we. We, uh, we had, he had, like, a, that jacket that Ash has and, and, like, jeans and stuff. It was really great, and, like, we all dressed up, like, as, like, more accentuated, characterized versions of our own characters. It was just, like, and I think we all we all took a lot of fun in making it because Pokemon was, like, our thing. Like, our generation is Pokemon. So, yeah. So, also... Happy
1: 20th anniversary. Pokemon. Yeah! Happy 20th anniversary! Yay! Yay!
0: So, sorry, I went on a rant right. there, but...
1: All right, mine's going to be a lot shorter because it's just, like, news that was recently announced. Ava DuVernay is going to be directing A Wrinkle in Time. Yay! A Wrinkle in Time was one of my favorite books as a kid, and I love Ava Ava DuVernay. I know she was shopping around for, like, her next project for a while, so, like, this is a big deal because she, like, turned down Marvel for the Black Panther movie, and she, like, hadn't really announced, like, what her next big project would be. She did such a great job with Selma. It's, like, it's so impactful and powerful. And uh, the fact that she got snubbed by the Oscars last year was a big point of contention because, yeah, Oscars so white. Um, yeah, so Wrinkle Time, one of my favorite fantasy books as a kid. It was, like, yeah, another seminal uh, fa- fantasy book. Um, it was written by Madeline L'Engle. Uh, I read, actually, some of, like, the rest of the series, too, but none of it was as good as the first one, a Wrinkle in Time. There was actually a, I think, 90s movie... That came out. That was an adaptation of *Wrinkle in Time* that I watched. I can't remember who was in it. Yeah, I think I, I looked that up when I heard the news, mm-hmm. um, but I never saw that version. Was with Goldberg in it? Maybe not. <laughs> it was just like I feel like there was one recognizable actress in there who was like one of the fairies, and I was like, I know her. Um, but it was, Let's it see. was yeah. Any will look it up, but yeah, we'll um, up. I'm excited. You know, the the big screen adaptations um, under Disney by of like fantasy and fairy tale books uh, have been kind of hit or miss lately like we have Alice in, Alice in Wonderland which is not that great but um, we
0: also had John Carter which all was awful
1: yeah but I think under the direction of Ava DuVernay we will have a really great wrinkle in time and I hope it really captures like that surrealism and just feeling of awe that you do that you have when you read the book um, I tried to there, was it I a, so there was a there was a 2003 TV movie that's what it was that's the only
2: thing that I can find. Um, yeah. I caught that one time. I think that's pretty good. I rem- I can't remember. I'm trying to see if there's anyone. Mm-hmm. Not. So far, I'm not recognizing anyone.
1: on okay. yeah. Never mind. I
0: tried reading that book as a kid, but I think I was either too young or too like I just didn't. I, I, I just couldn't understand it. There was a well, point. It was of,
1: too cool for that, guys.
0: I was not too cool. I was not it smart was enough. Cool
1: <laughs> playing Pokemon while I was in my room <laughs> reading Lincoln in Time. Sorry if Whatever. I was mainstream, guys. <laughs> No, it's all right. I was a big bookworm as a kid, so I read a lot of books that were, like, a little bit above my reading level, but I kind of just, like, went with it anyways. See,
0: I watched movies that were above my uh, age, <laughs> like, age range.
1: <laughs> like, PG-13 movies as I, a five-year-old. My
0: my sister and her friends were watching... So legit. My, mm-hmm. my sister and friends watched Romeo Plus Juliet when it came on home video, <laughs> and I snuck a couple peeks to see that movie because I was just, like,
2: this
0: is crazy. A couple peeks, huh? Yeah.
1: <laughs> So oh, yeah, All right. I am excited for that. That's my really, really, really like for this week. Yeah. Anya. All right, so mine is that I really,
2: really, really like, well, love, The Princess and the Frog, the Disney animated movie. Um, and it came up because I saw it at the El Capitan this week. Um, mm-hmm. So first off, it's just one of my favorite Disney movies. I love Tiana. Mm-hmm. Naveen is the best prince. I will fight anyone who says otherwise. <laughs> Naveen's the best. Um, and I just adore Glad this is. film. So currently, um, Disney, or for the last week or so, The El Capitan, they've been showing a different animated film every day, kind of in lead up to Zootopia. Mm. And every seven o'clock showing of each film, uh, they had like a and a like a panel with some of the filmmakers and cast members, and they had all these special, like, gifts. And so, when we went to go see Princess and the Frog, Ron Clements and John Musker were there, the directors, um... Which, if you're a Disney fan, they're pretty much legends. Uh, they did, I want to say they did The Little Mermaid, um, and they did, like, Aladdin. They're just, they're basically, like, Disney Renaissance legends. Of course. Um, so seeing them, I, <laughs> I like, wanted to cry. <laughs> As a big Disney fan, it was, like, mind-blowing to see them. Um, and Anika Noni Rose, the voice of Tiana, was there. Jim Cummings, the voice of everyone. (laughs) Uh, But in Princess and the Frog, the voice of Ray was there. And then also the voice of Lewis. I forget his name, but he was there too. Um, And so it was really great because they they talked about making the film. We got special artwork from Princess and the Frog, like exclusive artwork, which was really fun. And then we got to watch the uh, movie on the big screen, and it was lovely. They also showed us a Disney short that has never been released before.
0: Is it going to be released is before Zootopia? Is it the
2: Dog one? Mm-mm. It's one about a clock. I, forget, I, think, I think it's called Tick-Tock Tale. Okay. Um, it was never released. I don't think it's going to be released. Like, it doesn't seem like a like oh, it's, it's, oh, where this is going to be released soon. your preview. No, it was like, it was just never released with any movie. Oh, okay. Or on any of the DVDs. It was really cute. It made you,
0: like,
1: cry over a clock, and I was like...
0: Classic Disney slash Pixar. Right, I was of like, course. only
1: Disney can make me emotional over a clock. Disney's doing so well recently, by the way. They finally caught up with Pixar in terms of the quality of their movies. Like, some of their movies are even better than what Pixar puts out I'm recently. so excited. Oh, and uh, John Clemens and John, John Clemens, and Ron, Ron Clemens <laughs> and John
2: Musker are also directing the upcoming uh, feature film, Moana. Oh, oh I'm so excited that's for that. So, cool. so yeah, so it was just really great. I got to see one of my favorite Disney movies on the big screen. I got to see legendary Disney directors a princess in the flesh. Did so,
0: you get to ask a any questions? Did you, ask a, did you get to ask a question? Um,
2: they had this Q&A, but it was weird. It seemed like the people had been like picked beforehand. Mm. And like they had p- questions on like pieces of paper, so I don't really know how it worked. Oh, okay. okay. I don't know. But it was still just really cool to see. And I just love Princess and the Frog. And I love Disney. And, yeah.
1: Speaking of, um, kind of in line with our, our topic this week, uh, of lessons wrongly learned from Hollywood is that Princess and the Frog was the last Disney hand-drawn movie, and so far,
2: yeah. yeah. Someone
1: asked about that. Mm. I mean,
2: they said that they, you know, they always hope to get back to it one day.
1: Yeah, well, like yeah. the trend is like only CGI, but yeah, it's because like of a failure at the box office of hand-drawn animated movies, which is it's unfortunate. But it's very unfortunate. Mm-hmm. I I love hand-drawn movies. They're like they still have that I don't know magical personal touch.
2: Definitely magic. Not that like CGI isn't good. because... Yeah. We can still I mean, tell good movies. Intern scene Tangled. Yes. Oh, my God.
1: Oh, my God. I love that. Dunno. Tangled's great. Mm-hmm.
2: But I I want... I wish we had kind of both mm-hmm. going on. But, yeah. So, Disney.
1: And Princess and the Frog. Yay! Have... Um, so, that is our episode for the week. Uh, if you have any thoughts on long lessons learned from Hollywood, Deadpool, superhero films in general, let us know. Um, also, on... Uh, Pokemon's 20th anniversary, on a wrinkle in time's upcoming adaptation, and on Princess and the Frog. Um, please let us know on our social media. And where can they let us know, Willoughby? They
0: can find us on Facebook if you search for us uh, at the Millennial Falcon. And we're on Twitter at Falcon Podcast. Our blog is millennialfalconpodcast.wordpress.com. We're also on iTunes if you could basically uh, rate, review, and subscribe to us there. Um, and. Uh, where can they find us on the internet, guys?
2: <laughs> nice
0: voice there. Thank you. Um, you can find me
2: angry. at Anya Crittenton on Twitter.
1: I am at Bui on Twitter.
0: And I am at Willoughby Dobbs, also on Twitter.
1: Thanks for joining us, guys. Bye! Bye.